All right, welcome into the North Star Takes podcast. I am Bailey Policki, and this is my co-host, Jacob Liberta. This will be a mostly Minnesota sports-centric podcast, but we will also get into larger national sporting events as well. Um, on today's first episode, we are going to talk mostly about the NFL draft, um, potentially do a little bit mock draft action, go over some mock drafts maybe, um, discuss the Vikings plans at pick number 14, and then later on we'll also get into catching up on some Twins and Wild notes, as well as maybe the Timberwolves. So, Liberta, um, we're a week out from the NFL draft. Um, how are you feeling about it right now? Honestly, it's one of my favorite times of the year, especially the NFL season. The draft brings all sorts of excitement into the new league year that we're going to dive into here in 2021. So, especially for our hometown Vikings, can't wait. There's all sorts of options at play here. There are so many options available to us. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what Trader Rick does. You know, he's he might move up, might move down, we might stamp at. I guess we don't really know. Yep. You never know with, with Spielman. He's, pre, he's pretty tricky. But That's true. I'm, I'm very excited. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm very excited as well. This is uh, one of my favorite events, sporting events of the year, I would say. Um, it's a time that always offers hope for a fan base that, you know, usually doesn't have hope. So um, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think it'd be hard for them to screw it up this year because they, they do have a few positions that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we'll get into what we would love for them to do. Yes. But uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. We kind of know how the top of the draft's looking, especially at the very top. Mm-hmm. But things are going to get interesting at pick three and four with San Francisco and uh, the Atlanta Falcons picking. San Francisco's definitely picking a quarterback. Um, which one do you think it'll be? Do you, I mean, people are saying Mac Jones, but I feel like they can't pass on Justin Fields. Yeah, I know. That, that's basically when we think the draft is really going to start, once we get to that 3-4 range, because it feels like, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is a slam dunk for the number one overall pick in Jacksonville. But number two, probably about 99% sure it'll be Zach Wilson, unless the Jets got some surprise that they can't wait to un- unload on everyone on draft night. But realistically, once we get to three in the Niners, that's when the real speculation begins. And all literal signs point to Mac Jones right now. I mean, he got all the shots. Uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shannon at the Bama Pro Day interacting <laughs> with good old Nick Saban, you know. Yep, yep. And it, it seems like Mac Jones is the pick, but then you got guys like Fields and Lance bringing more intrigue because they're having these second Pro Days, maybe showing something to the Niners that they – that they didn't see the first time around, maybe can change their minds into picking them instead of Mac Jones. So right now I, I got to go with literal signs, just go Mac Jones and just think I won't think too hard about it, I guess, just because I think Kyle Shannon, everybody knows he loves Kirk Cousins, and that's basically what Mac Jones is in my opinion, and I think to a lot of draft experts that's that kind of seems like maybe his ceiling. But, yep. I mean, you never know. If, if he could fit in the system in San Francisco, great, and maybe be better than Kirk. I mean, obviously that's that's probably the goal. But mm-hmm. I at this point i, I got to say Mac. I, I don't know, you feeling Mac Jones? you feeling Lance or Fields or something? Or which direction are you leaning? I feel like the 49ers can't be dumb enough to pass on Fields and Lance to pick mm-hmm. Mac Jones. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. Um, I think in today's NFL you need a, a elite athlete mobile quarterback to give yourself the best chance to win. We've seen Kirk Cousins over the last three years. He's one of the best arm talents in the NFL. He's very accurate. He's got a great arm. He can throw the ball down the field. And I think Mac Jones can do all the same things. But the pocket presence isn't great. He takes mm-hmm. a lot of sacks. Mm-hmm. He fumbles a lot. Exactly. Passes get deflected. Um, you need a guy that can escape in, in today's NFL. And I think if you pick a guy like Mac Jones over an elite athletic talent like Justin Fields or even Trey Lance, if he needs to you know, sit for a year and learn, mm-hmm. I think it'd just be a huge mistake. And as a Vikings fan, I wouldn't be upset about the 49ers doing it that way. But if I was a 49ers fan, I would not be happy with all these Mac Jones rumors going on right now. No, I'd be upset. I know I've seen some steam for people like Mac Jones. They're like, he's one of the smartest people we've ever interviewed. Like, he's going to beat you with your mind. And honestly, he's going to have to, considering his uh, mobility compared to the rest of the quarterbacks that are being so highly evaluated in the first round. Because mm-hmm. he's he's not going to win with his legs like these other guys like Lance and Fields may provide you on those, like, second play, so to speak, where the original play breaks down, but then they keep it alive by getting outside the pocket and making something happen, where Mac Jones isn't really going to do that, and that's the same limitations Kirk has, which in with the way the league is evolving, I mean, you almost you almost got to lean more towards the athlete playing quarterback, just yep. so then you're getting guys more along the lines of like Mahomes and Josh Allen, some of the best young QBs in the league. Obviously, I'm not going to say these guys are the next, this is Josh Allen like mm-hmm. of this past year, this is going to be Patrick Mahomes. Like These are generational talents. Mahomes, yep. he could be the best type of player when it, come, when it comes right down to it. But I 
I think there's got to just be there's got to be some common sense here where you, I think you just got to go more towards with the way the league is trending because if you don't, sometimes you get left in the dust. And yeah. that, that can be a huge problem, especially when they've invested as much draft capital into getting that third pick this year. Right. So, Absolutely. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think of beyond that, though? Let's let's say for the sake of assumptions, let's say Kyle Shanahan takes Kirk 2.0 and Mac Jones is off the board at four. Yep. Or at three, excuse me. Who do you think is going at four? Like – where do you think that fourth pick is going with Atlanta? Are they trading? Oh, they're taking the QB of the future. Are they taking maybe a big playmaker? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, honestly, this is truly where the draft starts. We know mm-hmm. the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Atlanta is a complete wild card. Um, they could draft their quarterback of the future and sit him behind Matt Ryan for a year or two. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Ryan's still got a couple of years left on his contract. He but um, they could also go with the win now mode and think mm-hmm. that their team is ready to pos- uh, ready to possibly complete compete and uh they could take kyle pitts mm-hmm. he's the he's probably the most elite non-quarterback in this draft he's a tight end that can play uh basically play wide receiver you can play him in the slot you can play him outside mm-hmm. um trading out is also a possibility because i think there's a there's going to be teams that want to get up to four to get a quarterback too absolutely so i think i don't know i think it's going to be very interesting what atlanta does and that could really set the course for the entire rest of the draft oh for sure yeah it, i think that's where it's going to be an inflection point almost where they go with Pitts. I mean, that's the guy, guys like draft experts like Daniel Jeremiah are saying, like, if I were to pick a guy right now in this in this draft class that I think has the most Hall of Fame potential of anybody, he said it would be Kyle Pitts. And some people think Kyle Pitts is so good that he could be the top overall player, even Trevor Lawrence included, which wow. is that's, that's high praise, which yeah. is it, it's kind of crazy to kind of fathom that with a tight end. You wouldn't really, mm-hmm. wouldn't really think that. But I guess anything's possible. But you almost – you almost got to think, though, they got to lean towards maybe the hometown product like Justin Fields. He's from mm-hmm. Georgia, so I'm sure everybody that's a Falcons fan is pretty familiar with Fields yep. and yep. All, all of his big games he's had at Ohio State, you know, winning that huge game against Clemson and Trevor Lawrence in the college football playoff. So I, I, I got to say they should lean towards the quarterback, mm-hmm. but since Ryan's got a couple of years left on his deal, it's really hard to say. They got a new coach, and so maybe they want to have a guy – that they're grooming behind Ryan once his contract expires, but I, I, it's it's really hard to say. I, I think if I were the Falcons, I'd take the quarterback in the future. But right now, I'm leaning towards thinking they'll take Kyle Pitts just because he's just a generational talent. Right. So let's get straight to the Minnesota Vikings here. Obviously, yeah. this is what we care most about. Absolutely. Um, so they're picking at 14. It's kind of a tough spot to be picking. Um, mm-hmm. I know we were kind of pulling for them to lose their last game against Detroit. They would be up That's a little. Real. They'd be up a couple more spots in the draft if they would have done that. Mm-hmm. But so they're sitting at 14. Um, they obviously have a chance to get a really good player, uh, immediate impact starter. Absolutely. Whether it's along the offensive line or the defensive line, um, if a quarterback falls, it's possible they could pick a quarterback too, and you know groom a guy for the future. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is most likely to happen that the Vikings will do at 14? Do you think they'll stick there and pick a guy? Do you think they'll trade back, maybe try and recoup a second-round pick that they lost with their unique Ngakwe trade that was a complete failure? Um, so what are you thinking that the Vikings will do? Honestly, if I'm in the frame of mind of Rick Spielman and how they operate and what we've come to know here between the Spielman and Zimmer pairing, I'd, I'd say they're probably going to trade back and try and acquire a second-round pick that they don't have right now. And – because Spielman likes as many draft picks as possible. So I kind of feel like if the price is right, the trade down and they keep will. But then if no teams are really interested in trading a second-round pick or maybe a future first or something to move up the board, then he might not feel the price is right there. So then maybe he stands bad. And who knows? Uh, you never know who's going to be there. Uh, right. If if I'm Spielman and staying at the pick, I could probably see them taking an offensive lineman just because that's a gaping hole right now. We don't have a left side of the offensive line here. So you'd almost have to lean more towards like a like a Christian Derisaw or Elijah Vera Tucker. And right. I think either one could provide probably a day one starter or be a day one starter for us. But it's, then it comes down to how much influence does Zim have. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Zim's got a lot of influence to maybe make that like a defensive edge, like a defensive end pick, you know, an edge rusher? Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it makes sense to pick an edge rusher at that spot, especially if, Obviously, all five quarterbacks are off the board. Although, if Mac Jones is there, I don't really care for him. I wouldn't want us to pick him. Mm-hmm. It would just be like having a younger Kirk Cousins behind Kirk Cousins, and yeah, I don't, I don't think we need that. So, I think uh, offensive line, I think, would probably be the smartest play. 
But if like the top three offensive tackles are gone and it's just like Elijah Vera Tucker sitting mm-hmm. there, I'm not really sure if they'd want to reach for him, especially if they view him as a guard to get him at 14. Mm-hmm. So I think it would make sense to trade back, maybe move back six, seven, ten spots, who knows, try and get a second-round pick back, and then maybe an offensive lineman still falls or maybe one of these defensive ends that people think can start right away will fall. Um, the Vikings really do need a guy opposite Daniil Hunter. But at the same time, all their offseason moves have been defensive, you know, defensive-centered moves. Exactly. So I don't – got to help know. the offense. Exactly. Actually. One of these in-house guys needs to step up and be the other defensive end, I think, personally. Yeah. I mean, you can still draft a guy in the mid-rounds, but the the main focus for this draft should be offensive-driven, whether that's getting a quarterback of the future, getting a couple offensive linemen that you think can start right away, because mm-hmm. the offensive line was horrible once again last year. Yep. So, like I said before, I think it's going to be hard for them to screw this up. I mean, obviously they could pick a cornerback and just, you know, infuriate the entire fan base. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I personally, I would go offensive line if the top four quarterbacks are off the board. We'll say. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Honestly, I think, yeah, people will be rioting outside TCO and calling for people's jobs if we walk away from this from this draft and a first round corner. I, I don't know how people feel about <laughs> that, but unless they're just totally Zimmer stands, but. Otherwise, yeah, I think people would be pretty upset. And mm-hmm. I think, now that you mentioned it, you mentioned the stipulation that if the top four quarterbacks, like not Mac Jones, but the other four, if they're yeah. all gone by the time we pick, then I think we got to go with one of those top three tackles if they're there, whether it's Sewell, but it'll be gone. Slater, I think, will be gone, but there's there's a possibility there he could be right. there, but not pretty slim. But Christian Derrissaw is a very realistic option there. Mm-hmm. But let's assume, or let's not assume those quarterbacks are all gone. Let's say, a guy like Trey Lance is still on the board. I honestly think we we got to jump all over that. I know that's yeah. not exactly probably the frame of mind of the front office and the coaching staff right now because that's not going to help us in 2021. But I, I think we couldn't pass that up. I mean, he's, he's a top 10 pick in this draft class. Yep. If he was there, I think we got to take advantage because he could solve a huge problem that we've faced for the last 50 years as a franchise, right. realistically. I mean, we've had guys come and go here, like a Cole Pepper. He was all right in the early 2000s. And you mm-hmm. have Kirk the last few years, you know, Captain Kirk. But otherwise, it's just a bunch of one-hit wonder seasons with that like, case and Favre. So, like, yep. we haven't had sustained success at the quarterback position that can really put us in contention every single year. So, right. I'd say we got to take Lance if he's there. How, how do you feel? I agree. First of all, he's a Minnesota kid, which is exactly. awesome. Exactly. Second of all, he went to NDSU, which their last four quarterbacks have now made it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I'm slightly biased going to NDSU myself. But I got to watch him play for a full his full freshman season. And he is an elite athlete. He's an elite player. He's very accurate. He's got a good arm. Uh, obviously, he can run. I mean, he ran for a bunch of touchdowns. He threw no interceptions. I mean, granted, they don't play the best competition at NDSU. And I think he's probably still got some learning to do. I think he's only 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So this would be the perfect situation for him to come in, sit behind a guy like Kirk who's very uh, playbook-driven. You know, he loves to study. He loves to watch exactly. film. Exactly. Teach Trey Lance, the, you know, show him the ropes. I think it could be a good situation for him. Like you said, it doesn't help us this year. But at the same time, if you can find an offensive lineman that can start, if you can sign maybe another one that can start, yeah, it's a little patchworked, but... I think this team is good enough where it is right now. If you yeah. add a couple offensive linemen that aren't even big names, that they could compete for the playoffs this season, and then, you know, you can you could frame that up to Zimmer and say, I think we can make the playoffs even with if we draft a quarterback. And and then if they do, Zimmer keeps his job, Spielman keeps exactly. his job, and, and then they can then trade Kirk, get him out the door. You get that contract off the books, and exactly. then you have so much more money to spend, and then you can look into hope great and super defense next, exactly. next offseason, and then that'll play right in his hands, which would yep. be great. And then if you think about it, like this offensive tackle class is so deep that I think we can get starting caliber help us right now players in the second and third round. Obviously, yeah. we don't have a second round picks, so we'd have to trade back into the second round, but we have four fourth round picks and a couple third round picks, so like we. We have the ammo to move back in the second round and take one of those starting caliber tackles. Which Absolutely. I think if we take Lance in the first round, maybe get a guy like uh, Brady Christensen in the second round from BYU, and then maybe get a Kendrick Green in the third or fourth round. Like you get two starting caliber, I think, on day one starters out of the line. Plus, you get a quarterback that could potentially be your long term fix that'll keep your job for the next 10 years, assuming you don't turn this season into a train wreck. Right. So I, 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 don't, I don't see that many negatives to taking quarterback this year obviously it's a roll of the dice because like statistically speaking it's it could go 50 50 i mean there's 
well, it's more likely honestly that he's going to bust than he's going to yeah. work out. But if you get this right and he turns into the player you think he can be, and Ferd Kubiak really likes him, then hey, you never know. Yeah. He, he could really be the one to bring the Lombardi Trophy home to Minnesota the first time that we've all just we've deserved for so long. Right. We've gone yeah. through so many heartbreaking <laughs> losses and so many crazy seasons that I, th- I think it's about time we we get that guy that can give us a chance every year. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So let's talk about, let's explore more of the trading back part of it. Mm-hmm. If they do trade back, like you said, this offensive line class, especially a tackle, is just solid. Yes. So who are some options you think that could be realistic if we trade back, say, into the mid-20s? I think in the mid-20s, and you're feeling probably if we're trading back, then we're not taking a quarterback in the first round. and. Yep. We probably explore our two biggest needs, which should be in the trenches, whether it's offensive line or defensive line. I think our marquee targets would probably be guys like Tevin Jenkins, maybe Dylan Radins, maybe a Sam Cosme, because they all kind of fit the build and the mold of uh, recent offensive linemen the Vikings have drafted, like mm-hmm. Brian O'Neill and Ezra Cleveland. So athletically, they'd kind of fit the bill for offensive linemen we want. Or we could go, honestly, one of those edge rushers, because I know that it, that's one of the biggest wild cards in this draft to me is that they don't have any edge rushers going top 10 because there's no clear-cut guy that everybody's like, this is consensusly, or con- this is like common consensus that this right. guy is the best edge rusher in the class. So, mm-hmm. honestly, I-, I could see a guy like Quiddy Pay being that play there in the mid-20s. I mean, yep. he could go as high as, like, I've seen mocks where he goes 12, but I've also seen mocks where he goes down maybe near 30 or something. Hmm. So, like, he could be an option there. I like Aziz Ojolaria a yep. lot out of Georgia. I know he's only got the one move. He's got the cross chop. But, <laughs> I, I mean, I think I, we have the best defensive line coach in, yep. in the league. And yep. that, um, obviously, biasly speaking. But, I mean, I, I still think he develops guys like no other. I mean, Daniel Hunter was a really raw project, third-round defensive yeah. end. Yep. Now he's one of the top five pass rusher in the league. He's one of the best to do, one of the best to do it right now. And – so, honestly, I could see him working with Ojolari. He's got a high motor. He's a pretty athletic guy, so yeah. he, maybe he could work some magic there and uh, crank out a second starting defensive end opposite <laughs> Daniel Hunter and on a cheap contract. So, right. I think those would be the biggest names in play. I mean, uh, what are you thinking? Any other names you got to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I like those offensive line names you brought up. I think it would make a lot of sense for this team, if they do end up trading back, mm-hmm. to explore getting one of those second-tier offensive tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, Tevin Jenkins, from what we know at least, is a – basically a right tackle mm-hmm. so you'd have to move brian o'neill to left tackle and i don't i don't know if you really want to mess with your best offensive lineman yeah exactly so i i would prefer to go left tackle in this spot and you know obviously becker becker minnesota's own dylan radens yes. would be perfect fit for the viking scheme honestly and it'd be fun to watch him play for his hometown team 100 sam cosme's like the most elite athletic offensive tackle in this draft based on his athletic testing scores exactly. um so i think it makes sense to go tackle here and then uh, if you can get that second-round pick back, that's where you pick your defensive end, I think, personally. Mm-hmm. Then you fill your two starting holes right there. Then really all that's left to, to get in this draft is a guard and then maybe a depth safety. So I think it makes a lot of sense there to get go left tackle if you trade back in the first round. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you because I think there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of first-round caliber tackles we could take there. And, and you'd like to think we could pick up an edge rusher there in the second or third round or something. Because I've seen guys where usually if they're like a, a defensive end where they're like kind of a one-trick pony and maybe they're really good at pass rushing but they're not exactly great in the run defense and they can't really set an edge, like you can mm-hmm. kind of develop that. But you can get a guy that's good at one thing in the in the third round. we got a couple of those third-round picks. So yeah. I'd like to think we could find some guy. And, like, we've never taken a edge rusher actually higher in the third round with Andre Patterson, but that's just because mm-hmm. he can make it happen with whoever you're going to give him. Like, I think as long as they're like athletic, I think he can mold them into a guy who can who can play the position well. So, I I'm really I'm really liking yeah that idea more towards the tackle in that first round. So very quickly here as we wrap up, one yeah. you get one name. Who are the Vikings picking in the first round? At this point, I'm gonna say Christian Dersa. Uh, okay. I, I think they're gonna get the franchise left tackle. We don't usually pick this high. I feel like this is the only. One of the only times where the Vikings are really in a position to take a franchise left tackle, one of the most important positions on your team, arguably, yeah. in my opinion. I think that's a guy that you want to invest highly in. So I, I, I'm i going to say Darisaw, even though okay. he doesn't quite fit the mold. Not yeah. Typical offensive lineman for us. What do you feel? I would say Darisaw as well. I think it just makes a lot of sense. It fills an absolute need, and he's Kirk Cousins' blindside protector. Exactly. So, yeah. 
That'll do it for our mock draft chat segment here. Um, our next segment will be about the Twins, Wild, and maybe we'll even throw in some Wolfstots. So uh, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll get right back to that. Yeah, that's good. Um, tonight we're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild, hottest team in town right now. Let's go. Um, winners of five in a row as of Friday. Um, just off of clean sweep of Arizona over the last few games. Um, Kaprizov and Fiala are just on absolute fire. Yes, Two man. superstars for this team. It's absolutely fun to watch compared to the boring brand of hockey that we've had to endure over the last however many years. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on the Wild? Are you kind of surprised at how good they've been this year? Yeah, I am very surprised, honestly. I, I think they're a year early. I, I didn't expect this. Yeah. I kind of felt like this would be more of a growing period. It would be a growing year where maybe we'd still squeak into the playoffs. I kind of pictured early on in the season, especially before the season even started, I was like, maybe they'll push for that four spot in the West to get in the playoffs. I kind of felt like the cream of the crop would be the uh, Golden Knights, the Avalanche, and the Blues, but the Blues haven't come to fruition this year. But the uh, but Vegas and the Avs have been as good as anybody in hockey, so that that's no surprise. But the Wild, I think, got to be the biggest surprise in this division. I mean, they're yeah. they're just taking care of business in that West division, especially especially against lesser opponents. So yeah, that's that's good to see that they're that they're honestly coming to the party early and really. This is before we're even like I think our before our roster is even really complete. Honestly, yeah. but before we even get like guys like uh, Marco Rossi in the mix. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously they're playing in a weaker division. They get to play teams like the San Jose Sharks, the LA Kings, um, Arizona Coyotes. They've just absolutely destroyed this year, yeah. even though they're a decent team. Exactly. Uh, we still have teams like Colorado and Vegas who are kind of the cream of the crop in the Western Conference. But uh, I don't know. It's been really encouraging. Obviously, they have some good young talent. Uh, the goaltending has been outstanding compared to what we had last year with Dubnik kind of just being a disaster. It's night and day. Stalock was a decent backup, but I mean... When you have Cam Talbot, he's just oh, playing yeah. out of his mind right now. And then you have Kapo Kakinen, who was – he won nine games in a row at one point this year. He was our hot goalie. And then he, I think he uh, – they sat him down for a couple games, and Cam Talbot just came in and basically stole the job right back. So Exactly. The goaltending has been fantastic. Um, I guess the only, the only issue I see with this team right now is that they don't play Colorado very well. Yeah. Colorado's got a lot of team speed, which the Wild seem to lack a little bit right now. Their, mm-hmm. their star players are quick, but – from top to bottom, the Wild aren't the fastest team. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what the matchup is in the playoffs, if they can steal a game or two from Colorado. But I don't know. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, exactly. I know. I think we can handle anybody in this division besides besides the Avalanche. They've played p- pretty good hockey against Vegas this year. I mean, they're 4-1-1 and one against them, and including one in the last four in a row. So I think that's incredible on its own. But, yeah, eventually you're probably running to Colorado even if – like, let's see a matchup with Vegas in the first round in some scenario, but then get past that, and then you're playing Colorado. There's probably no way around Colorado here, and that, yeah. that's that's pretty big concern this year is that we, we don't seem to play very well against them. But like you said, it, it all comes down to team speed. I mean, they, they got that killer first line. They got uh, Ranton in, and then they got McKinnon. Like, that's, <laughs> they score a ton of goals, and yeah. it, it's it's hard to stop. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too upset though if they can't get past them this year. Cause like like I said, we came in the the season with expectations that this would be a building year. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't really expect them to like seriously contend until next year. But I think anything that happens in the playoffs this year is just gravy. Honestly. I agree. So. Yeah, it's good experience for sure for these younger guys. Kind of help build a winning culture. What I've really liked about what Bill Guerin's done is he's kind of swept the old guard out. He's gotten rid of Miko Koivu. Um, he's gotten rid of Eric Stahl. Parisi and Suter are still around because of their contracts, but. He's bumped Parisi down to the fourth line now. So Parisi's basically, he's been hot lately, but he's basically been a non-factor this year. Mm-hmm. Suter is still one of our top three defensemen, but I'd say he's actually probably number three now. I'd say Brodeen yeah. is pretty clearly our best defenseman. He's having a fantastic year. And then we got the captain. Yeah, our captain, Jared Spurgeon, second best defenseman easily. Exactly. Suter's still good. I mean, he's still got some value, but uh, you can tell that age is catching up to him. Absolutely. Um, so I, I really like what Bill Guerin's done. He's just completely changed the culture of this team, and I think it's for the better. I think you know, I think you know the Wolves and the and the Twins and the Vikings could all learn something from the Wild, honestly, with how they've handled it this year. Um, so outside of Kaprizov and Fiala, who I mean, going into this year, we kind of expected them to be our best players. Mm-hmm. Um, the Erickson Eck Greenway and Felino line has just been absolutely fantastic this year. I know they've definitely exceeded expectations. It's nice to see these homegrown products like Greenway and Erickson Eck take steps forward because honestly, it wasn't like uh, these these guys were almost stunted in their growth the last couple seasons, I guess you could say. But I think it's it's coming into the plan with 
good players like Kaprizov bringing him into the mix, it just makes everybody better. It's amazing what a superstar can do for it. Because I feel like, even though they're not on the same line, I feel like just having the talent on the ice like him, that's kind of taking taking any sort of uh, pressure away from like a spotlight, so to speak. Because yeah. like before the Wild didn't exactly have like the clear cut number one guy, but now we do, and now mm-hmm. now it's, I feel like there's a lot less pressure on them to come through because that. Whatever line Kaprizov's on, he's he's probably going to score, be at least part of some scores every game. So it's yeah. like they don't have to do quite as much, and they've just been exceeding expectations. And like I think everybody had decently high hopes for Rick and Greenway coming in. Then Fernando yeah. obviously is a nice veteran to have. So it's 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 I think that's been probably beyond Kaprizov and Fial, like you mentioned. That's that's got to be the biggest factor to us winning as many games we had this year. Yeah, absolutely, Felino has been fantastic in the few years that he's been here. We kind of brought him in as just kind of like a fourth-line tough guy, go rough some people up, go hit some people. He's been one of our best offensive players over the last couple of years even, and he's a true team leader. You can see he was out for a few weeks with a fractured leg. You can see how much of an impact he is on this team when he's out and they're not playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, our fourth line with Parisi, Sturm, and Bonino as of late, they've also been very hot. Uh, Nico Sturm has filled into that center spot very nicely. And he's a lot quicker than I thought he was, too. So I think he's a promising young player that could maybe even move up a couple lines over the course of his career. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild, yeah, how much production you're getting on your fourth line because you don't really expect a whole lot, of, especially scoring from your fourth line. Like, I, it, It's kind of weird throwing in Parisi in there on, on that fourth line, like you mentioned. But I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with uh, Karen and uh, Everson, too. Like, they're building a good culture here where it's like they're establishing accountability for yeah. these guys they have to be good players they're playing well if they make mistakes like you're gonna go sit on the bench like exactly i, I enjoy that accountability which is nice to have but mm-hmm. going back to the, the production this fourth line anything you can get out of this out of this fourth line is it's amazing it's a just a huge added bonus that can really help your team win those extra few games in the schedule yeah. so that, it's it's nice to see and i i think i think having a guy like Parisville really steadies it with the the veteran presence who he's been a good player for a while obviously not as what he once was but yep. i think it's it's nice that he's he's there and i think that's helped him but yeah absolutely so looking ahead to the playoffs here we're only you know 10 or so games away from the playoffs it's looking pretty likely that the wild are going to finish third in this division and so the way that the playoffs are set up uh, there's four divisions right now in the nhl the first team in each division will play the fourth team in each division mm-hmm. and then second and third will play each other as well um Colorado was leading for a while in our division, but now Vegas has taken them over. And so right now the Wild are matched up to play against Colorado. Um, how would you feel about that, and would you rather play Vegas, I guess? Oh, I'd much rather play Vegas just based off of our uh, regular season success, based off of all the games that we played against both teams this year. I think I think it's a pretty easy choice right now. But I guess you never know once you get the playoffs. You know, Vegas has definitely had tremendous success in the postseason. So mm-hmm. obviously you can't just be like, yeah, give me Vegas, we're going to win now. But yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's hard to say who we're really going to get because, like you said, there's a dozen games left, and, like, Vegas is up four points last I saw, but then you got um, basically Colorado's got three games in the bag where they have three more games to play over Vegas, so I still think they're going to rise to the top. Mm-hmm. I still think Vegas would pretty close to have to run the table here at the end of the year to yep. maintain that first position, so I think it'll be Vegas, and I think that's more who I'd lean towards wanting to play yeah. cautiously. But yeah, I, I agree with you there. I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think the Wild matchup way better with Vegas. They're not as quick of a team. They have some very skilled players. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is their starting goalie, and he's he's getting up there in age. He's had a good year, but he's getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Colorado just scares me. We have not played them well this year. They've blown us out a couple times. Yeah. Uh, playoff hockey, you want it to be close. You want it to be exciting. I don't want the Wild getting blown out. I mean, maybe they would play Colorado very competitive. It's hard to say. But I think Vegas is definitely the better matchup for them. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kaprizov, going back to him, he's set the wild rookie record for points and he just passed Gabrick for goals the other night. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think this guy's got the, you know, potential to be say a top 10, top five player in the NHL? I think he does. I think all, all signs indicate that right now. I, it's pretty amazing. You know, you're in some rare air when you're throwing in, at least in wild franchise history, when you're throwing a guy into the same conversation as Marion Gabbert. I mean, everybody, all the all the longtime Wild fans know how good Gabbert was for a period of time there for the Wild towards the beginning of his, his existence. And ever since then, I don't think we've quite had the the flashy goal scorer, really. Right. So at, I think Kaprizov, 
I think it's going to be even better. And I think, like you said, I think he's got that top five player in the league potential just because of all the all the things that he d- he does that is just very rare. You just don't see a lot of mm-hmm. like all these times. He just skates around, does whatever he wants, and then he yeah. just whether it's him scoring or he's going to find a guy with some nice pass and mm-hmm. put it in the net real easy. But I I obviously we're pretty biased here, but yeah. <laughs> I, I I gotta I gotta lean towards him being a top ten, possibly top five player. Obviously, yeah. he's on a great trajectory, and I think it really helped him playing in the KHL, getting better. So then mm-hmm. right when he hops in the league here, he's just good to go right away. So. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? You think he's you think he's a top five caliber player? I do. I think he's already a top ten player. Honestly, wow. um, I think he's that good. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, his skating is just elite. I mean, he can skate on the inner part of this on the inner part of the blades. Mm-hmm. Just kind of turn around, shift his body like no one we've ever seen before on this team. I mean, it's a shortened season, and he's already got you know quite a you know quite a few points. Obviously, obviously, he's already broken the wild record for rookie points and rookie goals and. We're playing almost half a season compared to what the NHL normally plays. Yeah. So, I, I think the potential for him is off the charts, and I think he's going to be an absolute superstar for years to come. Hundred percent. I can't wait. Yeah. I think it's the superstar of the Wild that fans have so long deserved in the state of hockey. I think some face of the franchise that we finally got. I know Breezy and Suter kind of were that when we signed him to the huge contracts back in what was that now twenty twelve nine yep. years ago. I think. Yeah, I think he's even better than that. So I'm I'm really excited with where this team's going, how we're trending here. So yeah, um, very quickly here as we wrap up on the Wild, um, are you okay with their decision to not do anything at the trade deadline? They made no moves, which I mean, there didn't really seem like there was a lot of guys out there that they could have gone after. No. So uh, I guess what are your thoughts on the lack of movement at the trade deadline? I'm okay with Stan Pat, honestly, because like we said before, the expectations coming to the season weren't very high. It was just kind of to build and form some team chemistry with all these uh, new pieces we were bringing in, especially Kaprizov. So I, I think it's fine the way we played it. I think whatever happens is here happens, and whether it's like we make actually make a cup round or not. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with not sacrificing the future too much yeah. and kind of more looking towards the next couple of years being like our, our – the opening the window like right now I think we're opening it but I think it's gonna be wide open come next year and the year after that so yeah I'm, I'm kind of going with staying staying pat and not making any any too drastic of decisions so. yeah I agree with you 100% I think uh I think it's best we have two first round draft picks coming up this year so I, I think it's best to just you know hold on to them maybe you can yeah. make a deal in the off season to get a veteran center that can be your first line guy absolutely I mean yeah I just I don't there was really no one out there that I was really hoping that they would get so I think it was best to stand pat and just see what you have in the team this year. If they can win a playoff series and kind of shock everybody, I think that would be fantastic. So, yeah, like you said, it's kind of all about building for the next few years and really maximizing their window that's coming up. Absolutely. Yeah, I like I like seeing what we have. In a year, yeah, when the expectations aren't super high, we can kind of just see what happens. And if this team can win, great. If they can't, well, then we can make additions and trades in the in the free agency and offseason here coming up. So, yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for our Minnesota Wild discussion. And uh, coming up next, we're going to chat about the Minnesota Twins after we take a quick break. Yeah. All right, welcome back into the North Star Take podcast. Uh, for this segment, we're going to be talking about our Minnesota Twins, yes. who uh, are not off to the best start right now. Um, they've lost eight of their last nine games um, in some really weird fashion, too. They've blown a lot of leads. Um, they've gotten, you know, just spanked a couple times. They haven't been scoring runs in some games, so... Uh, Overall, what's your assessment so far? I mean, where are they going wrong? Yeah, it's been a rough start to the season. There's been a there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong here. It just kind of depends on the game that we're talking about. Obviously, we've had our hitting downfalls here, but because our core guys such as Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, all these guys, they just just haven't done it yet. And other games like the most recent one uh, I can think of is the – Last one in Oakland, actually. Mm-hmm. So when we lost that high-scoring shootout, 13-12 and extras, that was about as painful as it gets. And we're finding almost every way to lose right now, which which is not great. But <laughs> nope. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's time to panic. I think too many people are freaking out over the first uh, couple weeks of games here. I think we just got to pump the brakes, trust that we have a good roster and that they're going to bounce back because – this, this rough stretch could happen at any point in the season. It just so happens it's happening in the beginning right now. So I think we just got to let things play the course, trust Rocco and the guys, and I think we'll get it done. I, I 
I think we'll be fine. So I just don't I don't think we need to jump to any long-term conclusions yet. I mean, how are you feeling about the start of the season? So I feel a little differently than you do, obviously. Um, our good friend Jackson LaFave would uh, be digging into you right now. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I agree with you. On paper, they do have a good roster. And, like, you look at this team from two years ago in 2019, they were the Bomba squad, hitting bombs all over the yard, hitting for good averages, driving in a ton of runs. And about half that group has just completely fallen off over the last – granted, last year was a 60-game season – but if you look at last year and you look at the start of this year, it's not real encouraging for a lot of these guys. So, yeah, it's early in the season, and, yeah, it's only been, you know, 17 games or whatever it's been. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, the thing with Sano is very concerning. We know he goes on these absolute cold stretches, but now he's hurt, so he's going to be out for a while. Um, Polanco just had a good game, so maybe he's going to start to turn it around a little bit, at least with his batting average, but... I mean, really, right now, it's just Nelson Cruz and Byron Buxton that are driving in runs, mm-hmm. and then Arias is getting on base, and they're they're the ones that are driving him in, basically. So um, I guess I feel a little differently about it than you do. I'm hoping they can turn it around, though. Otherwise, it's going to be a long summer. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts about that, I guess? Yeah, I don't think you need to worry. It won't be a long summer. It'll still be an enjoyable one for Twins baseball. And I think... Guys like Donaldson, too, are just getting back in the mix. And in the handful of games he's played so far, he's been outstanding. He's been worth every penny that we signed him to before last season. And I think him, Buxton, Cruz, I think they'll carry this team. And then eventually the rest of the guys will come around to support, get on base. Guys like Polanco, people like Kepler, you know. I, yep. I think we, yeah, we just, it's all about trust <laughs> and just not, not worry too much when it's 162-game season. I think the biggest thing – is going to just be find a way to win a couple games in a row and mm-hmm. just kind of turn the tides a little bit, get some confidence back in the clubhouse. Then I think these guys will start vibing again, and I think we'll we'll get on a hot streak here pretty soon. I yeah. I got a good feeling about it because it just it stretches every baseball team goes through, and I think right now it's it's obviously we're feels like we're bottoming out. I'd like to think we can't get much worse than this unless more guys go on the injured list or something. But yeah, which you I, never know with this team. Exactly, and I think. If we're really going to dig into the nitty-gritty reasons as to why we're not doing great, I mean, you can point to guys like Sano, obviously. He's, last I checked, he was 5 for 45, 111 batting average. That's not good at all. And now he's on the injury list. But what's encouraging, if you want to look at the glass half full, is that he has 13 walks this year. and That is encouraging. He's in top 10 in the whole league in, in draw walks. So he's seeing the ball well as, as far as, like, uh, only swinging at strikes for the most part. Mm-hmm. But... The thing is, he's just got to hit his pitch, and I think that that's that's been him the last few years. Is that he gets off these slow starts, which obviously that's frustrating. But he eventually comes around. I know a couple of years ago when we had the big Bomba squad season, he didn't come in until May because he had an injury until that point. But mm-hmm. then once he got here, he he was about as cold as this, and then he came around in June, like right before the All Star break, started hitting balls out of the ballpark every night. So yeah, I I think if you, you can. Just put your trust in Sano, put your trust in the coaching staff to help him turn it around. I think there's there's good things to come for him. And like you mentioned, Polanco recently, he's had a couple multi-hit games, so that's big for him. And I, I think he's a very – I think he's a more polished hitter than some of these other guys that are struggling because mm-hmm. I think he's going to hit for more average than those other guys. And yeah. it's nice to have a good switching bat in your lineup. And I, I just think that – He's he's not. It wasn't a fluke two years ago when he was the starting shortstop in the All Star game. You don't think so? I don't think that was a fluke. I I think this guy can hit for average. He sees the ball well. It's just it's just one of, it's just one of those times that he's he's just struggling. But I think another key thing that I don't think people are reading into enough that I brought up to you the other day actually is that we don't have James Rawson anymore, the hitting coach from the 2019 season. Yeah. He's off in Miami, and I think that's hurt this team more than people know. I think it's always going to help your lineup when you have a good hitting coach. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously you have veterans there to help out, like uh, Josh Allison and Nelson Cruz, but like, there's only so much they can do. So yep. I I think that that's definitely hurt this team too. But I think Kepler would be on the on the COVID list. That doesn't help, but obviously no one's really at a fault there for that. So right. it just kind of is what it is. So you just got to hope these guys in the lineup turn around. And I'm, I'll go on record and say – People can be, people can breathe. I will guarantee at this point in time, <laughs> I'll guarantee a playoff spot. We're still going to be playing baseball in October, and we're going to break that ugly 18-game postseason losing streak. Is it going to be a division championship, though? Or is it going to be a wild card? 
I won't I won't say which one of those. <laughs> I won't go that far, but because okay. we we have some strong teams in the division, such as Chicago, that are definitely good contenders. But the thing is, is that we're not even falling back that far in the division race either. I mean, we got uh, Kansas City's out front right now, and I don't think that's that's long term success there. So right. I, I think we're gonna be fine. I think as long as the bats can come around, we're gonna be a good team. I know pitching has been inconsistent, but I'm I'm not too worried about them because I think we have good enough good arms with enough. Uh, good arsenals that they have, and I, I just think that those guys, those guys will just get better as the season goes on. So, hmm. Yeah, um, the bullpen's got me worried a little bit, but I mean the guys that are struggling are guys that have been so good for us, you know, over the last couple of years. Taylor Rogers, he's kind of struggling a little bit. Duffy hasn't been great. Now we got Alex Colome, who's been the um, Chicago White Sox closer for the last couple of years. So, I mean, I know it's early, and you know maybe they can figure something out here like you said maybe they just need to win a couple games get back in the groove but it's a little concerning i would say right now i mean when you have the best offense in major league history and you don't win a single playoff game that makes it really tough to come back from yeah so i mean but like you mentioned earlier the bright spots of Cruz and buxton they've just been absolutely destroying the ball yes yeah looking at the bright side of things like Cruz and buxton are easily uh MVP candidates right now. Obviously, you can only say so much a few weeks into the season, but these guys are tied for second in the league and home runs only behind Ronald Cunha Jr. And obviously, that guy's one of the best in the whole league. So, right. that, that's when How many does he have? He's got seven. Right okay, now. so they're but, right behind him. Yeah. So, honestly, I think when you're in that conversation, you know, these guys are hitting the ball well. And Buxton, it's, it's nice to see that five to a player really come to fruition now. Everybody's dreamed about it since we took him second overall in 2014. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been the franchise player that everybody's waiting wait for. And yep. now that he's staying on the field for a consistent amount of time, hopefully that continues over 162-game season because I think that's his biggest detriment, obviously, is his health because yeah. he's going to be on the field. I think he's top 10, probably top five in MVP voting. And yeah, I would agree. Because he can do it all. He can hit for power. I think he's going to start hitting for average here. Obviously, he's got the wheels that everybody's come to love. And, mm-hmm. and he's got a good arm out there in center field. But even better, he's just got that range to make these insane catches that right. almost nobody in the league is going to make. So I I think when it's all said and done, he'll be assuming he stays healthy this year, plays 140, 150 games, something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be top three in MVP voting and possible winning the award. But Yeah, I, I would say it's hard to disagree with you on that. I mean – like you said, he's he's our five-tool player. He's our super. You know, he's supposed to be our superstar. The only you know the only concern with him obviously is his health and if he can stay healthy. And already this year he's kind of battled a hamstring for a little mm-hmm. bit. So, but I mean, as long as he can stay off the IL, if he has to miss a game or two here or there, I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, he's yeah. gonna need some rest anyways. So, um, and Nelson Cruz, you know, he's like yeah. Tom Brady almost. You know, <laughs> yeah. Father Time's not catching up with him. So. It's been it's been nice to have him as a stabilizing force because I can only imagine if he wasn't here this year, I think our DH situation would be kind of a mess right now. I think it would too with all these guys in the IL coming and going. Yeah, I think that that could be a disaster to be honest. And I yeah, that's one one thing I was wondering though is like what's what's more shocking or what's more like what's more amazing I guess is a cruise at age forty or in his forties he's he's just mashing the ball and it's kind of defying the odds of just aging as a baseball player but then yep. you got Byron Buxton kind of coming coming out of nowhere some people I know Twins fans have known he's had this potential all along but the rest of the league's kind of taking notice now so yep. I don't know what do you think is more surprising who, who start do you think is is more like like wow that's that's incredible I would say Buxton's just because we've seen this from Cruz ever since he's been here yeah. he's been our best player mm-hmm. and he's a DH you know like you could arguably say he deserves some MVP votes over the last couple of years for how good he's been and he just all he does is hit he doesn't play in the field mm-hmm. but Buxton being able to stay healthy and usually he's kind of like Sano where he gets off to a slow start or he gets hurt right away in the season and you know he, it's just tough for him to come back from until midway through the season yeah. well this year he's starting off hot and so as long as he can stay healthy I mean his potential is endless for the stats he could put up this year I mean he could like you said he could legitimately be the MVP especially if this team comes back to make the playoffs exactly yeah I know. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this season plays out for him because, yeah, he's he's just has a ton of extra base hits because the thing is he can hit the ball out of the ballpark he has just this raw power that I don't think a lot of people really realize. Mm-hmm. And I think he's also obviously got the wheels for anything that's not directly hit in outfielders. He can probably turn it into two because yeah. he's just that fast, which is it's it's hard to even, like, it's unfathomable. Right. It's, 
I just love it. That's he's just one of the most fun players to watch in the league. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. So our last little uh, topic here for the Minnesota Twins. Um, how much criticism do you think Rocco Baldelli, the manager, deserves oh, for for this start? I'm, I mean, we're all kind of in agreement. He's made some questionable bullpen moves. Yes, this, um, this is a hot topic. He pulls. The, he seems to pull the starting pitchers way too early, which. I mean, I understand wanting to save the arms and not force an injury, but I mean, if a guy's hot, you gotta let him keep going. Yeah, I think it's fair to criticize Rocco to an extent this season, but I think people are kind of over exaggerating him a little bit and kind of getting on him too much because I know for sure one of the biggest things people have definitely hammered on Rocco is that loss in Oakland in the extra innings where we had Blank and Horn in the ball game because we. Uh, pitch ran him for Donaldson, and then we ended up putting him at second where he made that costly error, and then after that, arise at third and lost the game just like that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a certain amount of criticism Rocco could take for that because how, how much advantage are you really going to get from taking Donaldson out of the game and putting right. him in Blake and Horn? And maybe he's just playing it too safe because you want Donaldson getting hurt running the bases or something like he did in Milwaukee. But I I think part of that blame, though, is just got to go on Blake and Horn and rise. I was, not, I was just thinking about that, how – why, are, why is everybody ripping on Rocco when these guys should just make routine plays? I yeah. get they're not like our starters. like Especially Arias, he's more first bat than he doesn't really play a specific position. He's right. just a utility player. And like Blankenhorn, obviously, he's been he's had very limited experience in the in the big leagues. So, I mean, to an extent, uh, Rocco putting out these uh, not great fielders or not known commodities in the field. But still, I feel like any, any of these baseball players that are in these major league organizations, I, should, I feel like they should be able to make routine plays. So Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, think Rocco's partially to blame for putting them in that situation, but I also think they got to make routine plays too. Mm-hmm. And as far as pitching goes, I'm fine with Rocco saving arms for now. Like I know everybody's upset that after Burrios went six no-hit innings against the Brewers back in his first start, and mm-hmm. he had all those strikeouts, I think 12 he ended up with that night, and they ended up yanking him with 84 pitches. But that one... I personally like to ride a guy and see how far he can go with this no-hitter. But on the other hand, I get where Rock was coming from because you kind of in fear that maybe Burrios throws out his arm in his first start. And then if he's out for an extended period of time. Then you're toast, yeah. Then, yeah, then you're screwed. And then people are still ripping him anyway. So he can mm-hmm. take the heat for a couple of days after he doesn't throw uh, or takes him out when he's throwing yeah. a no-hitter. But if he had a long-term injury, that would just that'd be a disaster. That's so, true. So I think they got to save him for the long-term success of this team because, like, we already are a little bit sketchy in the back of our rotation the way it is yep. with guys like Hap and Shoemaker. I think <laughs> I still think they can be all right. I still think they can eat innings, but yep. I it's yeah, if Brios were to go out, that should be another hole in your rotation and you have to fill and that'd be kinda of tough, especially over an extended period of time. So right. I get where Rocco's coming from. Yeah, I would say I mean Rocco deserves some criticism, but no manager is perfect and I mean there's people that are already trying to call for Rocco's job. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just ridiculous. I mean yeah. this guy won the AL manager of the year in twenty nineteen. We've won the division both years Yeah, He yeah. I mean, yeah, he hasn't won a playoff game, but I mean it's only his third year being a manager. He's a young guy. He's still got you know, he's still learning, and that's fine. Um I I would say probably 85% of this team's start is on the players. I mean, yes. like you said, our core players are not producing like they're supposed to be. We got a couple of, you know, our two best players are just absolutely outstanding. Yes, they are. But, you know, you need more than two guys to win games. And When you guys want through nine. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, our pit, our starting pitching, like our first, well, Barrios and my, uh, not Maeda, Pineda mm-hmm. have both been solid to start this season. 100%. Maeda's kind of... Uh, his last star wasn't his, very good. His last star was his worst of the twin. But yeah. the, the thing is, is that before that and all his starts with the twins, he never allowed more than three earned, earned runs in a start. So yeah. I can live with it because I think it, every pitcher's going to have a clunker every now and then. So mm-hmm. it, it just happens. It was unfortunate. It was the other day. And that game, we ended up losing at the end next year inning. So every run counted. But yeah. at the same time, it, it just happens like that. But Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Um, you know, we could probably use a little more patience with this team. Give them another 20, 20 or so games. Give them another month. Yeah. yeah, give them time to figure it out. And hopefully hopefully some of these other core veteran players will start coming through. Hopefully the bullpen will straighten out a little bit. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll get a spark from guys like Alex Kirloff or maybe even yeah, Nick, that's Nick, true. Maybe even Nick Gordon, honestly, if these guys are these guys are on the Colvin list, for instance, like Andrelton Simmons, maybe Nick Gordon comes up and surprises right out of the yeah. shoot. He's got a hot bat, then all of a sudden you got another producer in your lineup, which would right. be great. And obviously he's the long forgotten prospect. He was once highly touted. Yeah, he was. And it'd be great if he just kind of took advantage of his opportunities, God, because 
Honestly, he's a super speed guy too, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So and he can hit for contact, just get on base, maybe yeah. be ta- be a table setter for guys like Buxton and Cruz and Donaldson. So mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. Obviously, we got to temper expectations a little bit, but I think that is a nice thing for Gordon. Those people have almost have forgotten about him. So yeah. I feel like all expectations are off. So you can just go go out and do his best and yeah. maybe surprise some people, and then maybe he. I mean, this is like hitting his ceiling here, but maybe he makes a case this season where he plays well enough to the point where maybe he can start next year at shortstop because I, you know, Royce Lewis, he has that, that torn up knee, unfortunately, so he's yeah. set back a year, so he's not going to be ready to be our everyday shortstop for the Twins next year. So right. maybe Nick Gordon takes advantage after Simmons is gone here after this one-year contract. So I don't know. There's, you can get a – we just need a spark, and yeah. I think once we get the ball rolling, get a win or two, like you said, back to back, I, I think we can finally get back to the season everybody envisioned for this team. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, patience is just it's warranted here. And I know the Rocco conversation. If let's say we don't make the playoffs this year, which I, I don't foresee that happening right now. Like <laughs> I said, I made a personal guarantee. Yeah, you but, did. Yeah, but um, then it would be disappointing. Then we'd really have to look at Rocco and and the team as a whole and evaluate things. But I just think that, yeah, Rock, Rock can't take too much heat right now, though, because yeah. the thing is we won the division twice. He was the manager of the year. And and the thing is it's not like he's unorthodox. Like, he's a new-age coach. He's really big in analytics, which I like. He's tr- going more in the trend of uh, where Major League Baseball is going. So I think that's, that's another good thing to have. And I also think it's just – we, I don't, I don't. How do I want to put this? I, I'd, I'd say with Rocco, you gotta think about too how much he impacts the clubhouse and how good he is for everybody there. Because I think he's definitely got a lot of respect among everybody, mm-hmm. and I think that's huge to have. Because if if you're at odds with your players, then that's another thing. Then I yeah. then I'd probably call for Rocco's job if we're not playing well and he's kind of indifferent with the players. That'd yep. be a different thing. But the thing is, I haven't seen any signs whatsoever that are like, yeah, he doesn't him a lot clubballs don't get along so. right he's got that calm demeanor which is really helpful exactly i'll be kind of curious here they just called up alex kirloff how much of an impact he'll be able to make mm-hmm. we've already seen across all our minnesota sports teams besides the twins so far um the young impacting rookies we got justin jefferson with the vikings kirill kaprizov with the wild and anthony edwards with the timberwolves so i'll be curious uh alex kirloff is looking yeah. once he's up here to play full time so let's make it a power four i know yeah that'd be very exciting and I I think, obviously, he's got all the talent in the world. Uh, just got to make it happen. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for this episode of NST. Uh, be sure to find us on YouTube and uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. And uh, we'll be pumping out more episodes here shortly.